Hebrews 11, starting in verse 23. If you're there, say I'm there. Come on, verse 23. We're going to hopefully get all the way through verse 31. And I think this might be one of the most practical messages in this series in Hebrews 11. We're going to get really, really specific. How do I make decisions? And what I have found is that as we choose, as we make decisions, we typically are are going in one of two different directions. We're either acting by faith, intentionally, proactively, we're acting by faith, or we have a tendency to react in fear. Have you experienced that in your life? Your response is either I'm going to act or I'm going to react. I'm going to be purposeful and intentional, or I'm just going to be reactionary, knee-jerk. These things tend to be deeply instilled into us because we observed, we watched, and then we have our own personalities. And many of us, we have a tendency, no matter what the situation is, we just react. We are reactionary people. And I wonder if today God's saying, get off of that train. It's going off the rails again and again. What if this year could be a year that you're going to choose, you're going to choose by faith because faith chooses to act, not to react and to reject fear as a motivator and instead by faith i'm going to choose to do the right thing go down the right path i am going to choose by faith to act as god's ambassador as his representative i'm not going to let fear drive my decisions it's going to be faith that is going to fuel my decisions i don't know about you but i i I need that reminder every single day stop reacting in fear. So not by fear, but by faith. And so here we go. If you are taking notes, let's, let's take a look at what this practically looks like. I choose faith. I choose faith over fear. Number one, we're going to be looking at verse 23. I choose faith over fear of what people will say. I choose faith over fear of what people will say. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11, by faith, everybody say by faith. So we're introduced here to our, our newest character that made it into the hall of faith, Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. We left off last time with talking about Joseph. I don't know if you remember, we, we looked at Joseph's life in, in a very tight uh, snapshot kind of way. There's a lot to cover, but we looked at what, Genesis, uh, I think, 20, 27, all the way through 50. I mean, it was a lot of territory, right? And what did the conclusion of the matter in Joseph's life leave us with as far as the boss? We had a pharaoh that was a good pharaoh or a bad pharaoh in Joseph's life. I mean, Joseph ended up uh, partnering with the pharaoh, and all of a sudden, God's people ended up making their home in, in Egypt. Do you remember that? Because like Joseph was like VP right? Well, do you realize that it wasn't too long before a pharaoh rose up in the land that what it says that that didn't know Joseph, right? No connection. And this is the new pharaoh. In a sense, we could say new sheriff in town, right? New rules, new guidelines. And instead of God's people having favor in the land in a very short period of time, God's people were like threatened with their with their lives. Does that sound familiar at all? I wish we could just relate like there like there's a season of prosperity and living in a nation where where uh, Christianity might be a little bit more favored. And then all of a sudden, in a short period of time, 
like it's illegal and, and we can't freely worship the one true God. Man, I, I just wish we could relate with that. As we consider Moses being raised up in a hostile place, what does it say? That faith. Faith is exercised here. There is a decision being made, and it says it doesn't matter what the king's edict is. In other words, what, what kind of rules and regulations, what kind of laws is the, the boss making of the land? And Pharaoh made an edict to uh, off with their heads, to kill the, the boys, right? Faith chooses, and here's a perfect example, right? Faith chooses not to give in to fear, even when it's life-threatening and choosing to do the the right thing in God's eyes, even if it's viewed as the wrong thing in the government's eyes. We, we have it here in Moses' life. So I don't know when the last time you were tested, like intensely tested. Uh, I don't know how many of us have experienced that, but uh, anybody think that maybe the days ahead, that there's going to be times of intense testing, that there is going to be so much provoking of anxiety and fear that is going to silence God's people. It's going to shut down faith. But instead, we have a history, a rich history, one of in spite of the greatest fears and the greatest threats, faith arises. Faith arises. I, I love this. Choose faith over fear of what people will say, or we could say what people will say or, or do. Faith chooses not to give in. Don't give in to fear, even when it means a life or death situation. And many of us don't understand or don't know, but thinking about the next generation, of are we preparing in, in the church, right, in our homes, for our faith to arise when it matters most, when it's tested to the greatest degree? And I, I just jotted, I jotted this down. How, how do I know if my faith is being tested? How do I know if there is a, uh, a test going on that either I'm going to pass or, or fail, right? How do I know this is uh, a test? Well, first of all, we, we want to differentiate what's the difference between a temptation and a test, okay? I, I don't know if it's clear in your mind. Hopefully, this will be clear. Uh, temptation is from what? Temptation from the flesh, from Satan. Uh, bad, bad. Did you know that throughout history, throughout Scripture, we have testing as a good thing. Everybody say it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because why does God test his people? He doesn't test them that they would fail. I love this about our God. We are tested to prove that we're authentic, that we're real. It's a gift from God. Testing is a gift from God. God's wanting us to pass. Do you think that God wants, God wants you to pass more than you want to pass the test? You better believe it. It is God giving you everything that you need to pass the test. Everybody say yes. Yes, he is. Everything, everything. So a test from God is for our passing to get a straight A across the board. And it's not to fail. It's not to mess with us. It's not to see us stumble and fall. So how do I know that my faith is being tested? Well, here we go. I just jotted down three things. How do I know that it's a time for my faith to arise and for my faith to be tested. How about level of comfort? Level of comfort. I think we lose sight of this. That when I am being tested by God, typically there is some level of I'm being pushed outside of my comfort zone. Have you heard that before? My, 
That, that's outside my comfort zone. That's a, that is way outside my comfort zone. Well, guess what? If you are in a season or you have situations where you are being pointed to do things for God, to serve Him, and it's outside of your comfort zone, do you think maybe that's a, a test? I, I would think so. That, that's way beyond, I've never done that. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I don't know if I'm the right person. And I wonder if as you go through seasons like that or situations like that where you're at a crossroads, here's what you have to ask yourself. God, are you growing my faith? Is this a test of my faith? Because I need to be saying yes to this. Uh, get out of comfort zone versus stay in comfort zone. How about this, number two? I just jotted down a uh, call to sacrifice. A call to sacrifice. Anytime that there's an opportunity, man, that would cost me something. That, that like would stretch me. I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't know if I can afford that. I don't know if I can commit to that kind of time or I don't know if I have that kind of energy. And, and that would like take some kind of sacrifice. And Maybe somebody else is up for that, but for me, what if, what if that is a test of, of faith and God saying, I, I not only want to take you out of your comfort zone, but I, I also am calling you not just to a situation where you have to sacrifice, but I'm trying to teach you that there's a lifestyle of sacrifice. This, this is the way. This is the lifestyle of a Christian is I already sacrificed, right? Like that was so last week. This is a new week of what? Of self-protection? Of self-indulgence? No, this is another week of what? Of self-sacrifice. Because as a follower of Jesus, every week is a week of sacrifice, right? Every week is a yes, I will. How many times do we need to sing to God, yes, I will, before we what? Before we actually live, yes. Yes, I, I will. I will. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me, but I, I will because this is a test of my faith. How about this? Source of protection. Asking the, the core question of where does my protection come from? Well, what are the options? Self-protection or godly protection, right? If you're too busy protecting you from all that could be and all of the bad and all the what ifs, do you know who is out of a job? God's like, you're, you're kind of busy doing the self-protection thing. Clearly, you don't need, you don't need me. Uh, everybody say that's a problem. Instead of every day us waking up and saying, God, protect me, guard me, help me. You are my source of protection, right? There is so much bad. There, there is so much that could go wrong. There is so much out there, right? Evil is all around. The darkness is closing in. Is your instinctive response, God, you alone. You alone protect me. You alone. You're going to guard me. You are going to come to my rescue. God, I can't protect me. I don't have the resources. This is a full-time job. Even while I'm sleeping, I need protection and guess what I can't do when I'm snoozing away and dreaming? Uh, I can't protect me. That's the whole point of being a created being is that you are totally dependent on the creator, right? He is your protector, but we're so bent towards self-protection. How can I make sure that I take care of me? 
I don't, I don't know when the last time you've been in a conversation when somebody has brought up this question, but for whatever reason, I am regularly in counseling relationships. I'm regularly on the phone with people. I mean, regular, 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 regular. When problems and trials are coming and the instinctive response and the question that comes out of people's mouths is this. John, you don't understand. If I don't take care of it, who will? If I don't protect myself, who will? And I've trained myself not to laugh out loud because every time, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but every time I, I hear that phrase or that question being thrown out, I want to laugh and then scream, right? I went, like, do you hear yourself? Do you, do you hear what you're asking? Are you serious? Maybe, just maybe, what about God? I mean, there's a concept, and the number of times that I've responded with, maybe maybe God will protect you, maybe he'll take care of you, maybe he'll be the one. Half of the time, it was like, oh, I didn't think about that. And I'm not talking to godless pagans. I'm talking to believers that have been in churches for years and years and years and years. If your first thought is not, I'm going to bind and then, God, you're going to be the one to protect me, provide for me, supply my every need. You're going to be my helper. We are in a heap of trouble, right? If our reactions lead us so far away from God being the source and God being the center, we have been living by fear for so long if we don't immediately act by faith and say, I am firm in this. My conclusion is always, God will, God will, God will. God will always come through. He always has. He always will. And we see it here in the life of Moses. Faith says, I care more about what my God says than what they say. Or I care more about what my God can do than what they can do to me. Is that your your cry? Is that your, your call of faith? I care more. Like God, God, that's where I go. How about this? I choose, I choose faith. Everybody say, I choose faith. Oh, that was weak. Come on. Everybody say, I choose faith. There we go. I choose faith over what? Over fear of material loss. Material loss. And I think many of us can relate to this, the anxiety, the fear of what if I lose it and what if I don't have and what if, what if we have to go without. And verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was growing up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He rejected, he refused to live the life. He was living the dream. Verse 25, what did he do? Choosing, everybody say choosing, because faith chooses, faith chooses, faith chooses. What did faith choose here? Moses, choosing rather to be mistreated, he left the posh lifestyle. He left the, the American dream as we would know it instead to do what? He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting, everybody say fleeting, fleeting, fading away, quickly blown away, right? Passing away pleasures of sin, gone. Verse 26, he considered, man, he's, he's wrestling. Faith is thinking, wrestling, refusing, 
choosing, verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ greater, it's greater, it's better, better wealth, greater wealth than the treasures of, of Egypt, all of Egypt. For he was looking, faith looks, right? Looking to what? Looking to the reward, God's reward, the eternal reward. There's a lot here, right? I mean, Moses is choosing to live by faith. He's refusing to, to live an entitled life. He's choosing mistreatment over being served. He's choosing, instead of the enjoyment of pleasures of sin, did, did you know that there's like crazy pleasure in sin? I, I don't know if in church we talk about this enough, but like sin feels really, really good. Because if it didn't, we wouldn't be addicted, right? We wouldn't keep going back to the same stuff. Whatever your, whatever your uh, object of addiction is, we wouldn't keep going back to it if it didn't feel so awesome, right? Even for a moment, whatever, whatever it is, it's like, oh, right there, that's it. Sin is, sin is for a moment. Everybody say for a moment. It's just so good. It's so good. And what is what is Moses reminded of us right here? What, what's the reminder? It's fleeting. Like like you think you have it, and then it's gone. It's sand through the fingers. You can't hold onto it. You can't keep it. It's never enough. But it, just for that moment, just for. And then it's gone. What did Moses do? By faith, instead of living by anxiety and fear, and every time I'm, my fear is provoked, I go to that thing, I go to that pleasure. Instead, he said, Jesus is better. I am richer in Jesus. Greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. Did you know that even Moses was looking forward to Jesus, the perfect Messiah was going to come and live the life he could never live. Moses was looking forward that someday there was going to be a lamb, the perfect spotless lamb. Once and for all, there was going to be a sacrifice made. He was looking forward to the cross. And he said, it's better. It's better. Way better. What God supplies is better than anything I can find here. And he knew this. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's like, I want the reward because the reward is eternal. I watch how fleeting, how quickly all of the enjoyment of sin, it's here, gone, here, gone, here, gone. I want something that lasts forever. And Moses is willing to reject a whole lifestyle to embrace one that in this life, not so awesome because he knew it was going to last. The goodness of God was going to last forever. It was it was better. It was better. It was better. Faith chooses God's path over worldly pleasures. Because here's the reality. You can't have both. I don't, I don't know if we've thought about this, but oftentimes we consider, well, can I have a little bit of both? And the reality is God says, choose this day who you're going to serve. Who, who is it? You can't have both. You can't have both. One or the other. You can't have both. Everybody say you can't have both. You can't have both. You can't have both. Because faith says, I trust my God will give me more than what can be taken. I trust that my God will give me more than what can be taken away or what I could, what I could lose. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if 
in the back of your mind, maybe for the past weeks, months, years, maybe decades, there's always a nagging voice of, well, what if you lose that? What if that goes away? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? By faith, are you choosing not to dwell in the anxiety, in the fear of all the what ifs, or your what if? Are you choosing by faith to say, even if it's all taken away from me, I have God. Jesus is mine. I am His. It doesn't matter if everything is removed. It doesn't matter if I lose everything. I get Him and He's better. He's better. He's better. Do you believe that? Because that's faith in action. Faith is not passive. Faith is active every day fighting this battle of fear and doubt. And I choose faith. I choose faith. Everybody say, I choose faith. All right, here we go. I choose faith over fear of physical harm. Verses 27 and 28. By faith, you see that there? By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. I don't know about you when the most powerful person in the world is angry at you. Um, you you'd think that would uh, evoke a little bit <laughs> of, of fear, right? He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid, right? That's what faith does. Like faith over fear, right? For he endured. Everybody ask how. Come on, come on. For he endured. That is a good question. I'm glad you asked. How did he endure? How did he do it? What does verse 28 say? Excuse me, the, the end of 27. And then we'll get to 28. As seeing him who is invisible. Isn't that awesome? We said this before. Faith is not a blind leap. It's not a I hope so. Do you know how Moses did what he did? Do you know how he made it into the hall of faith? Do you know how he made his decisions? Because faith chooses. Faith chooses. How did he choose? He chose to endure not because he blindly stepped out and said, God, I, I hope you're real. What does it say? It says, seeing, everybody say seeing, him who is invisible. Everybody say God. He saw the invisible God. Well, I mean, if I saw the invisible God, then maybe I could make some like risk-taking, some radical steps of faith. I could live a lifestyle like he did. Well, here's the reality. As New Testament believers, we have more seeing. We have so much more seeing, so much more substance that we can grab a hold of than Moses ever did. I mean, think about that. We have an entire history documented so that we could see the invisible God. We see him. We see him as we look around every single day at creation. Like, God, I see you everywhere, right? Psalm 19 lets us know, like, the, the heavens are shouting the glory of God, just screaming. God is real. God is real. Look, look right here. There's evidence everywhere. We have so much. We get to talk to people regularly that have gone through death-defying, that have gone through situations that they shouldn't be here, that they should be angry and bitter at God. They should have walked away. And instead, they're on fire. And we get to sit at the feet of those that have spent decades walking with God and our faith being fueled. We get to read the pages of Scripture every single day. We get to look at the creation, the handiwork of God every day. We get to see the invisible God. Everybody say that's awesome. We can see him. We can see him. But yeah, God's invisible. And he longs for you to see 
him, to taste and see that the Lord is good is what the psalmist says. Taste it. Do you taste him? Do you see him? Grab hold of him. There is substance. It's not grasping for the air. It's not hope so theology. This is real. This is deep. This is seeing. And Moses, the only way that Moses endured, and here's the reality, the only way that you're going to endure, the only way that you're not going to give up, the only way that you are not going to reject your faith, you're going to denounce Jesus. The only way that you're not going to do that, the only way that you're going to go through a trial and not be bitter and angry, the only way that you're not going to go through your life comparing yourself to what you have versus what they have and how unfair your life has been compared to theirs, the only way that's not going to happen is if you see him, if you see the invisible God every single day, and he is to be seen. Moses endured. Moses rejected the dream life because he saw God. He saw him. He saw him with the eyes of faith. He saw That God was worthy of any sacrifice. Worthy of any hardship. And I wonder, I wrote so many things down. Faith chooses to fully renounce the former life. Because consider this. This is what D.L. Moody said years ago. He said we we could chop up Moses' life into three parts. He said the first 40... And quite literally, this is Moses' life, right? He says, the first 40, the first 40, Moses thought he was a somebody. And then something happened. The the next 40, Moses realized he was a nobody. But do you know what's awesome? The The last 40, God showed what he can do with the nobody. All of us are somewhere on this continuum. I I don't know what third of life you're in right now. For many of us, we're we're beyond the place of I'm awesome. Like we we kind of graduated from that, right? We're like, uh, yeah, junior high is over now. I because I won the award, I got first place, and then I lived beyond middle school. I I know I'm not awesome. Okay, like. Done with that, right? Done with the pursuit of, I think I'm somebody. But I wonder if many of us are still in a season of, well, I thought I was somebody. Now I know I'm a nobody, and now there's no point. And now I just have to endure going through life that doesn't seem to have much of a point and much of a purpose. Church, here's where we need to get to. Here's where we need to be. This is where we need to live. We need to be living in the final 40 and saying, God, I know I'm a nobody. I I know I have nothing to offer. I I, I know that I'm not going to change the world. I know I don't have all of the gifts and abilities and the intellect. I know that I'm not the best at anything. I'm mediocre at best. But God, I just keep hearing stories. I just keep reading stories. And in every single one of the stories, especially in the story of Moses, it's just a constant theme of watch what God can do when you finally come to a place where you go, 
I have nothing, but God, you're my everything. Use me. I'm available. I'm surrendered. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'm here. Here I am, Isaiah said, right? Send me, send me. Is that your heart cry? I love that Moses' life points us in this direction. Watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. So what does God want of us? What is God calling us to do based on the life of Moses? I'm not concerned about physical harm. I'm not concerned about my life anymore. God's got me. God's going to take care of me. And therefore, I can take risk. I can step out. I can endure whatever by faith. Not because I have it, but because he has me. And I wonder if it starts here. I just jotted down a note. I wonder if for some of us, the final 40 can start when we say, the good old days are dead. I'm not living my Christian life looking back at, hey, remember when? Hey, that was awesome back there. Hey, do you remember? Hey, that was great. I wish I could just relive those years. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember when we? Do you remember when, when I? Man, those were great. And what are you not looking at? I'm not looking at, God, what are you about to do? What are you going to do? God, my greatest days are ahead. God, you want to do great and mighty things that I, I can't even dream of in the future because I'm not looking in the rear view mirror of where you've worked in the past. I long for you to do greater, better in the future. Is that your heart? Because Moses was not looking back. He was looking to the future of, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm here. I'm available. And here we have verse 28, by faith, and this is how he lived it out, by faith he kept the Passover, he sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. That might sound familiar for those of us who have been in, in Exodus a little bit as we consider obedience every step of the way. Did Moses feel like he was a somebody when he was leading the way? <laughs> if you know anything about Moses' story, he was like, I I I don't talk good. Send somebody else, right? I don't have the gift of leadership. I don't have the gift of speaking. Please, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong address. God's like, no, I got the exact correct person. I choose you. Watch what I can do with you. Because he was finally ready. He realized all I can do is do what God is calling me to do. Faith says, I believe if my God is for me, nothing can ultimately be against me. I'm a Christian because God is for me, not because of my performance, not because of my works. I love the image here that as we look at the Passover, we look at the sprinkling of blood. How do you get right with God? How do you stay right with God? We constantly are looking to what? One person spilt his blood. The Passover was pointing to Jesus Christ, the King, the boss, the final spotless lamb that was going to lay down his life once and for all. We look to him, his life, his resurrection. Everything that is good in me came from the goodness of God. I have nothing to offer. He has all goodness to offer. I'm looking to him for my righteousness. I'm looking to him to keep me. I'm looking to him to get me through and get me in, right? In this life, and the next, Jesus alone, Jesus alone, that's the one. That's the one I look to. And Moses is like, I know it's not me. I know it's not me. Someone had to die. Blood had to be spilled. Praise God, we live in a day where we can look back, not in part, but we get to see the whole, the history. We have the whole book, Jesus, 
He did it all. He did it all. All for me, he did it. And how does the, the old song go? And all to him I, I owe everything. It's his. I choose faith. I choose faith. Everybody say, I choose faith. I choose faith over fear of impossible situations. Do you see that? Verse 29 and 30. Let's, let's look to see. Can I really choose faith over fear of impossible situations? By faith, verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But, everybody say but, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same thing, what happened? They were, they were drowned. So can you imagine, as God's people, woo! we're finally free, finally free, finally free, right? All ten plagues, like something finally worked. And after all of the opposition, all the slavery, all of the horrors and torments, finally we're free until what? Until they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And they go, is this some kind of joke? The God that frees is the God that like traps us again? I thought God was so good, and then all of a sudden now, what? Faith being tested. Faith being tested. Where are you going to look? Who are you going to turn to? How are you going to respond? And we go from, woo to, God, how dare you? Are you like that? Like, so quick to celebrate how awesome God is in one moment, and then the next circumstance, the next breath, tch, whatever, God abandoned me. I, did you forget yesterday? Did you forget what happened last week? You, did you forget last year? Can you not look back and say, if God was for me then, he's for me now. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I just, I love the imagery here of this is an impossible situation, thinking we're dead, we're dead. And I, if you want to jot down Exodus 14, 15 through 16, just jot down the address. You can look this up. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. But if you want to read through Exodus 14, I think this is so awesome. The celebratory crowd of hooraying God's power to free them is now the, the hecklers, right, at the coastline of the Red Sea. And Moses is questioning. The people are questioning. And this is what, <laughs> this is what God says. I love this. Exodus 14, 15 through 16. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. I don't know how you interpret that, but like, why are you praying when you know what you should be doing? You, you shouldn't be weeping over, God, please just make it clear. What am I supposed to do? Just do what you're told, right? Just obey. You already know the truth. Like, don't talk to me. Act. Live it. Live it. I love this. This is God saying it. Why, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people of Israel just to go forward. Moses, lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on, I love this, dry land. We go from, we're free, we're free, we're free to, God, how dare you? You're going to kill us now? To stop praying and start obeying to Moses being the first one, right? When you're the leader, what are you called to do? It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You start. You do the right thing. You're not a follower. You're a leader. So lead the way. Staff over the water. What happens? I don't know about you, but like 200-foot vertical water walls, if that wasn't enough, they step out and it's like, not muddy. It's not squishy. It's dry. I don't know what you're thinking when you were walking through on dry land watching fish swim up to your face with 200-foot 
walls of water, and then you're close to getting to the other side. By that time, you're celebrating with a million or two million of your favorite friends until you look back. And what do you see? We're dead. We're dead. We're dead again. They're coming after us. Really? Celebrate horror, crying out, complaining. Celebrating horror, crying out, complaining. Is that your life? Is that your life? If it is, it's nothing new. The pages of Scripture are consistent with this. We are riding the roller coaster of faith of the high highs and low lows, and the reality is it's there for our example that we don't have to live that way. You don't have to at every turn, at every opposition, at every trial, have to throw up your arms and, God, I I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. And like, why are you treating them that way? And you're treating me like this. And where are you? And you're not even answering. And you've abandoned me. You've left me alone to figure this out. You're not providing for me. God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I love that we could consider Exodus here, 14. Why Why are you crying out to me? Do what you're told. Just obey me. Just do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. You don't have to fall apart. Your world doesn't have to crumble. You're not going through tragedy every single week. You can, by faith, act. You don't have to react with fear and anxiety and keep going back. You can move forward. I love that. Tell Israel, go forward. I wonder if today we just need to hear, Christian, Keep going forward. I don't know why you're looking back. I don't know why you're falling apart at the first trial. Keep going forward. Don't stop. You don't have to ask God for clarity. He already told you, live by faith. Keep obeying me. Move forward. Why are you quitting? Why are you giving up so easily? Keep going by faith. Faith chooses to go where God says so. Even when you don't have all the details. Even if you don't understand why it's happening this particular way. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith. So God, you want us to do what? You want us to get like swords and bows and arrows and like fight the enemy? No, horns. What? 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 Just do what I say. Trust me by faith. So are you supposed to attack? No, walk. What is walking going to do? You know what? Walking is proving that your faith is real. Just do what I tell you to do. And then watch. Because it's not about you. You're not tough. You're not smart. You are less than average with a God that has all power. Know who you are. Know who your God is. And do what he's calling you to do. Go forward. Around the walls they walk. Faith chooses to overcome opposition in order to get to the other side. Embrace the blessing. Faith says, I know my God fights for me. I know my God fights for me. He's a warrior. He's fighting the battle. I know I want to do something, and I want to be the winner. I want to be the hero. But guess what? There's one hero. His name is Jesus. Are you on his team? Are you on his side? Get used to not being the hero and trusting in the hero instead. He's fighting for you. And lastly, everybody say, land the plane. We've covered a lot of territory. I choose faith over fear of past failures. I choose faith over fear of past failures. I wonder how many of us are living this life like it's Groundhog's Day, reliving past failures over and over and over and over. Who could we learn from? Verse 31. Here we go. By faith, Rahab 
the prostitute, not Rahab, the amazing, faith-filled lover of God. Rahab, the prostitute. She did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Jot down Joshua 2. Here we have the story of Rahab, good spies. Okay, we got Israelites going into the land. There's a promise. Joshua is trying to lead the way. Now Moses has passed. The baton has been passed to Joshua. And it's like, take the land. The land has been promised to you. Go into Canaan. See that God is good. He's faithful to his promises. And here's the reality. Two of them knew this, is, this doesn't look so awesome. There is a city in the way. There are warriors blocking the way of God's promises. And as they went through the city, they find out someone's on the hunt for them. They are going to die. Where do they go? They go to the red light district of Jericho. They knock on the door of Rahab. Why would you go there? Well, we can speculate. They weren't there to pick up prostitutes. These are faith-filled followers of God. They knew if we randomly walk into a place known for prostitution, odds are people aren't going to go, what, what are they doing and who are these strangers in our land? They're going, well, random guys walk in there all the time. Okay, it's a pretty safe place to sneak in and out. The other part is Rahab's saloon was on the outer wall and they could escape. Rahab doesn't say that she had faith before. We don't know her backstory. She takes them in, hides them, covers for them as they were, as the enemy's looking for these, these two guys, lowers them out of the window and lets them run back to safety. But as they're leaving, Rahab says, may the Lord remember this. And like, I'm, I'm trusting that your God is going to be faithful and good. So there's faith rising up through an act. Do you know what's more mind-blowing? Just as we, as we finish. This is crazy. This is crazy. Who in the world is Rahab? We know she's a prostitute. Do we know who else she is? She's the great, 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 great grandmother of King David. Great, 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 really great grandmother of Jesus. As you think about your path, as you think about where you've been, did you know that God himself ordained for a prostitute to be in the line, in the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. I don't know if that tells you anything about God's attitude, about where people have been, about their work in his story that he's writing. But I think it's pretty profound for us to be able to just meditate on this. I choose faith over fear of past failures. doesn't matter where you've been. God's saying today's the day. Choose to live by faith. Choose to obey in contrast to those who are disobedient, Rahab is highlighted. Faith chooses to move beyond brokenness into God's future. I don't know what you're hung up on. I don't know what you're stuck on as far as who you are and your identity and what you've done and what people think of you. But I have a pretty clear picture of what God thinks about your future. And it's pretty awesome. And it's pretty awesome. Not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you worked really, really hard to stay squeaky clean. It's because of where you're placing your trust. Is it in Jesus today? Is it God alone I'm trusting in? No matter where I've been, I'm looking to the one that forgives and covers, cleanses, makes all things new, sends me into a future doing things that I can't even imagine and I can't work hard enough to achieve. Faith says, I rejoice. 
I rejoice that my past is not my future. I rejoice that my past is not my future. I rejoice that my past is not my future.